Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers! On today's episode of Parenting That Kid, I speak with Marion Campbell, a speech therapist, social worker, teacher, and mom who supports therapists, teachers, and parents in helping their kids develop skills for connection. Let's be honest. If you're listening to this podcast, there have probably been moments in your parenting journey where you felt you could not connect with your child. Admittedly, I'm in that situation right now with my little one. I now feel a little bit more confident in creating those moments of true, authentic connection with her because of the tools that Marion shared with me on this episode. I think you're going to find some tools that you can put into use today and feel a little bit of the weight lifted off of your heart when it comes to creating a true, authentic connection with your child. All right, Miriam Campbell, thank you so much for joining me. As I had just shared, I am thrilled to hear about connection and supporting kids with this because I think, um, well, when you, when you and I first connected, I thought oh, I'm really struggling to connect with my child right now, so I probably should speak to her. <laughs> So that's really what triggered me to say yes to having you on my podcast. So thank you so much for coming. And can you share with my guests a little bit, a little bit about what you do and how that really supports the child and the parent relationship? Because that's so valuable, of course. Totally. Thank you, first of all, for connecting with me and helping me to connect to all of your listeners, because I really do believe that's like what we are all here for is that connection. And it's like, you know, even from like a perspective, just like from like a biologically we're hardwired for connection and um so much more like just like the social connections and from like there's so many different components that everything points to the value of the human experience and connectivity And, and that was really um how I started was I wanted to find a field that would help people with connection and I wanted I wanted it to be something that like people could really integrate and to like be able to give somebody a tool because I believe in this and I believe that it's something that we can learn. Like it's not that some people have it and some people don't have it. Everyone needs to grow in it and no one is like, oh, I'm the most connected I could be. Like no one's the most connected they could be to their spouse, to their yeah. child, to their friends, to their coworker. Like there's always space because like it's part of the human experience where that's what makes us like unlimited is that there's always more space for development. And like, I find that when we as parents think about connection in those terms, then it helps us relate to like our children's journey in connection where when they struggle with connection, when they're struggling either with like, you know, self-awareness or other awareness more very often, and being able to connect with the other, then like it helps us be compassionate with for, you know, to their, to their journey. When we realize, oh, I also sometimes am so dysregulated myself. I can't even see my child. I can't connect to my child. I can't connect to my spouse. I'm in an anxious headspace or I'm, you know, feeling like 
depressed or feeling like physically exhausted or all the different things that block us from connection. And, and just it, it changes it when, when we see ourselves in this journey, we're able to empathize with our kids more and relate to them more and see it as like a fluid lifelong process. And it's just beautiful because it's full of opportunity and it's limitless and it's, you know, exciting and it's adventurous and all these things, instead of it being like a burden, like, oh, my child is too rigid to connect another person. Now it just opens the door to seeing it as like, we have like so much opportunity and limitless potential to connect to our kids and to connect to other people. I, I just, I feel happy when I think about it and when I work with people and parents and, you know, I'm always inspired by the parents and their desire to connect with their kids and the, you know, the different challenges and ways of figuring out how to connect within the frameworks that our children, who are, who their, our children are. It's just beautiful. It's really an incredible journey. I'm so so grateful. Yeah. I have a question because you talked about connecting with our children and then it made me think, Children who have ADHD, and I would say probably beyond childhood, but I'm focusing on that because that's where my story started. They really do find it hard to connect with those who might not see the world the same way they see the world, right? They experience it very differently than other people. And not that there is a normal way to experience the world. They just do experience it differently. And I think the ability to have a relationship can be challenging for some. Um, And once they find their comfort zone, that's where they stick. (laughs) And that seems to be where they they can continuously go, but not grow out of it. And as a parent, I find that it's really hard to connect with my child because she really does see the world differently. I love that she sees it differently. It's so fun, but it's hard for me to connect to that. How do you work with a parent who maybe is struggling, having that, that connection with their child or seeing that same um, level of the world that they might be seeing? It's such an honest starting point, what you're saying, what you're describing, (laughs) because it's so true. There are so, it is really challenging to be able to connect with somebody else when their reality can be so different. Mm -hmm. I think what, I think what I try, I actually just had a parent ask me this question like two weeks ago. She said, my child's the only thing that he's interested in is baseball. And it's all he wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. She said, like, I know it's important for me to talk about my child's interests. She's like, I cannot talk about baseball. You know, she's like, she's like, I I don't know what to do. Like, I feel so stuck. Like, she's like, as soon as he starts talking to me, my eyes glaze over. And like, I could tell that he stops talking because like, he could tell I'm not really interested. She's like, but I want connection. And I know how valuable connection is. And I know you're not talking about baseball, but something that dinosaurs, right. Right. Dinosaurs or, you know, any topic that is becomes like a, a topic that we can be hyper-focused on or anything like that. Um, so something that I think about, you know, what I had mentioned to her was there's always, there's always difference, but when we're with another, there's always, there's always place for difference. Mm-hmm. And there's also, if you dig deep place for similarity, if let's say you try and find the place of connection. So for her, she did not care about baseball, but what she does care about is what do you like about baseball? Do you feel excited? The emotion, which is such emotions are so powerful because we don't all have the same experiences, but we are hardwired to experience emotion. So I might not experience, you know, excitement about baseball, 
but I might experience excitement about something else. So what I can talk to my child about is their feeling of excitement. That's the underlying core of those things that are on top of it. So our children who let's say who have ADHD and they're relating differently, there's gonna be an excitement level, something that we can relate to and searching for those places where we can see them and understand them on whatever level, then we can build and try and understand their differences and understand their, you know, where they're, where they are, you know, but we have to start where we're, we have to be normal. We have to be human beings. So it's okay to like tell myself, okay, like I can't really talk to them about baseball right now, but I do care about emotions. So I can talk to them about their emotions about the baseball. And that's really like when we're talking about social skills for kids and we teach them how to have a conversation and we teach them like, okay, if I'm talking to another person, I have to think about what are they interested in, right? And not just because like I have to not care about myself and I don't have needs and I don't have whatever, I'm have to be self-sacrificing, but because that is part of being in a relationship. But the powerful paradigm shift with our kids is when they recognize there's so much the same about us. There's so much that binds us and connects us. And when we focus on the things that connect us, it helps us have more sort of like um, energy and like, like uh, the word I'm thinking was like lubrication to help us when the cogs are tight, to help us when it's different, to help us when we are relating to somebody who wants to talk all day long about dinosaurs and that, but that finding the place where we are the same, where we do see our children and we do relate to our children is so helpful for helping us get through the parts that aren't. Mm. So I would say, find the places, find where we can relate to them because there is places that we can. We both love that feeling of, you know, about to take our first lick of ice cream. You know, you're standing in the thing and you're the anticipation. Uh, okay, so they might experience it for something else, but you can experience it with this and, you know, share hearing them in their excitement and trying to think, oh, when have I experienced that, you know, that excitement? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's sort of, yeah. Did that answer, do you feel like that, like, yeah, resonates? So great. Yes, because, well, I have this belief that when we, when I speak to my children, I try to talk to you about the emotional side of it, whether it's a good or a bad or a feeling gross or feeling amazing. And, um, but I never have leaned into that as the connecting part. It's just so that they can tap into their emotions, never really thinking, oh, this is a way so that we can connect on that level. Um, so yeah, that is, that is wonderful. Thank you. That is so good. Can you share a little bit about your training? I saw that you, S-E-L, if I'm, is that correct that I'm saying that? Yes, that, that's so right. There's so many, um, there's so many like uh, acronyms flying around. And, um, but um, so I'm, I'm a, started out as a speech therapist, because as I said, I wanted to give people tools and I felt like yeah. communication is so you know, foundational to that. And so I, I did, I, I worked as a speech therapist and I, I still do. And I, you know, learned about cognition and learned about the components that we need to understand when we're thinking about our kids and their communication. If they don't have a cognitive milestone, like let's say cause and effect or sequencing, or, you know, all the way up there would be problem solving. Then when they're trying to communicate any of these things, there's going to be a breakdown. So I learned about that. And then I felt like there was more I needed to know as far as like, the emotional component of it because there's the cognitive and there so I learned a lot about like physically how our emotions manifest themselves inside of our body and how we learn how to identify them how we learn how to communicate them how we learn to 
be the ones who choose our emotions. And sometimes that means acceptance. And sometimes that means I'm feeling angry, but I still may not hit another person, you know, or I still, I still cannot break this grandma's vase or whatever, (laughs) Um, you know, helping kids be able to, to navigate that. And that's really, um, that's really what brought me to, I I was doing a lot of one-to-one work with, um, with kids and then working with their parents, because I really do believe that parents are the best people to be supporting their kids in these things, because a therapist could sit and talk from their face blue from today and tomorrow, but the parents, the one that's there when they're banging down the door and their kids in the shower, their siblings in the shower, and they don't know how to navigate that. Or when they're having a breakdown at, you know, at their graduate, you know, cousin's graduation and how to navigate that because, you know, the parents have that trust already and they have that and can develop tools to help support their kids in ways that like as a therapist or clinician, you just don't have access to. So that's, I've, I've really segued into doing that and then supporting teachers in the classroom Mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that as well, because they're with our kids for so many hours a day. Right. So so you, you're still doing that and you work directly with the parent and child as a couple, I say, but as a unit. I do do one. I do do one-to-one. I I don't only see, I, and I'm trying to think, I think I have one client that's just the child that I see. But other than that, my rule is really I see children and parents because oh. um, I don't believe that it's effective without having that carryover. And I, you know, and, and so I'm doing like, you know, I've, I have parent groups that I work with. I have do one to one, do a lot of staff trainings for therapists, for teachers, mm-hmm. things like that. So I just I love all of it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Can you get, give a little bit of an example of what it is, what it's like to work with you one-to-one, a child and a parent or a child and a teacher, whoever that those, those um, entities are? I think the first step is really being curious about our kids. Where are they? You know, helping ourselves think about where are they cognitively? Where are they in their communication and their language skills? Um, where are they within their body, what sensory needs do they have? What are their, you know, what are their, how's their emotional communication? How's their emotional identification? Um, and then from there, I have really developed a, like a curriculum that I teach parents okay. and I teach uh, teachers uh, how to like the, the concepts. And then so like when I'm working one-on-one is like, okay, how do we apply that? You know, in this case, when we have dinosaurs, how do we apply that when we have, you know, this wedding coming up, how do we apply that with, you know, inter-sibling conflicts? How do we apply that with, you know, just being able to really hone in? And um, so some parents will just do the training and they'll take it and run. But very often, like, parent will like, like, okay, let's check in. Like, how do I do it? This, we're having this little bump over here. How do we, how do we figure out where our, where our oil is in this space? Type of thing. So they come back to you and this is happening right now, kind of a relationship or a connection that you've created with them. And they keep coming back asking for support through those times. Right. I mean, my goal is for them to be able to do it themselves. And, and really, we have so many parents who do do that. Um, but there's sometimes like sometimes you just need like eyes that are not in your head. <laughs> do you know what I mean? To be yeah. able to tell you what you really know, you know, because that really is like, I really want to empower parents to feel confident, like, oh, I know how to deal with, you know, 
you know, difficulty with flexible thinking. I, ha- I want I, parents know how to deal with perspective taking. Okay. So right now I'm like so much in the daily grind. Can you be my outside eyes for a little bit? And then sort of like helping them. So how, what would I say to my child? How would I say it? So mm-hmm. using the constructs that they all, they've already learned, they can, you know, have this structure and like a very clear direction of what to do with it. That's so good. I think you, you said it right there. You get into the daily grind and you feel that whatever it is, comfortable or discomfort, just continuously. And the bird's eye view from somebody else can really help you take a step back and breathe and work through whatever the challenge might be, or that's coming that you can kind of anticipate that's coming. Yes. And I think having a child with, with ADHD, I feel like I live a lot on the, um, the heightened state of life with her. Cause I'm always like, Oh, the next thing, ah, even though I know she's going to struggle to get her shoes on. And I know she's going to struggle to clean her room or whatever those tasks might be, or just even getting to the car. Although it's a huge task to do all that. Um, but I get in the rhythm of that discomfort. Like, okay, this is just going to be hard. We're just going to have to struggle and push through it. And I think having an outside view or somebody who goes, wait, step back. You have tools and I use them. Is so powerful because you forget, especially when you're in the middle of the of it all. You, oh, I forgot I even knew how to do this. Yeah, and, and that's really how like really we all are like that in everything. Like I, you know, I'll I'll be talking to my own kids and I'll have, you know, my sister will come over and she'll say something and be like, oh right. Like, you know, <laughs> this is it's just it's a, very helpful to have another perspective. One of the things that we talk about in the emotional regulation thing, mm-hmm. you know, series is that challenge of helping, you know, our kids are as regulated as we are. I mean, sometimes they could be regulated even when we're not regulated, but for sure when they're dysregulated, they can only get re-regulate, you know, into a place that they see us. And that's also from like a, from a scientific place because from mirror, from a mirror neuron perspective, they mirror back what they see from us. Right, right, right. So very often when we're in a heightened state of, you know, an emotional arousal that, or we're feeling very like stressed or panicky there, they get that. I actually, one time heard, um, I was on a flight and the flight attendant said something to me and I don't think she knew, maybe she did know the neuroscience behind it, but she said, she's like, she sees the parents who are stressed. The kids are always stressed. The parents that are calm, the kids are always calm. And that doesn't mean that it's our fault if we're dysregulated or that, you know, that's not the right. point, but like, it's definitely when we can help ourselves regulate, even in a place of stress, then we can support them through that journey when they're in a place of stress. And, and, and what you were saying about like the daily grind, it's a very important for us to like be able to be like, oh, check in with myself. I'm totally not here. Like I'm totally like, I, I need to recenter. I need to find my, my, my balance, find my core, reconnect yeah. to, the safety that is inside of me and be able to relate from that place and connect from that place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned earlier on siblings. Do you work with children and children? Cause that can be really challenging for somebody who's living the world very uniquely. And so we always tell my daughter, your brain is just so amazing. And it just experiences the world differently. And that is so awesome, but that can be challenging. And for her, it doesn't seem to be because she just carries floats through the world. She just lives on this cloud, but it can be very challenging for some people, children to connect with other children. Do you ever work with, with children on how to have this connection with their peers or maybe their siblings? 
Yeah, very much. That that's really the that's really where I started as far as the social skills aspect of it, mm-hmm. and that's something that um, today doesn't get such great rep because people mm-hmm. say, you know, let people be who they are. You know, let people be different. Let people. And I I feel very strongly that um, when our focus is connection with other people. It stops being about, I'm different, you're different, I'm this, you're that. And it becomes about, I need, I am a self and I need to see you as yourself and I can connect to you and love you in yourself, who you are. And when the focus is that, then it stops being about like, oh, I have to do this because that way she'll like me. Mm-hmm. And it becomes more about, I need to be a respectful human being because I am a human being who values respectfulness and values kindness. I remember there was this one, um, this one thread that I, I'm on all like a lot of different Facebook groups of with people who are who are themselves neurodiverse, parents mm-hmm. of kids who have neurodi- who are neurodiverse. And I remember there was this one thread, and something about it drove me crazy. <laughs> it was um, somebody who was going to their mother's birthday. And he was saying it was it was from he was he was writing he was twenty three year old male, and he was writing about that he wants to go to the party and he wants to bring a life size teddy bear and his mother hates the teddy bear, and everyone's response to him was well if you want to bring the teddy bear you should bring the teddy bear, that was everyone's response which is very much what the push and the trend is towards, you know support if you support neurodiversity support people can be different, mm-hmm. and. To me, there was no voice there about what about this child's uh, opportunity to connect to his mother mm-hmm. and to show his mother, this is really hard for me not to bring my teddy bear. Mm-hmm. I feel safer with it. I feel like it helps me, but I'm doing this because I love you and I'm connecting to you and the respecting and valuing overcoming challenges for the sake of connection. Mm-hmm. And that is something that, I don't hear spoken about and it is really concerning to me because I've worked with many children who have grown up with the idea. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of one client, uh, I'm going to change the details. Um, and he would tell me like, I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to punch the kids in my class because I have a hard time with my ADHD and they need to understand. My teacher needs to understand me which is this mentality, which we're teaching kids, which are saying, yeah. I am who I am, leave me alone. Okay. But it, it's not really seeing their bigness. It's not really seeing their capacity to overcome adversity or to overcome obstacles. And instead of helping them be their biggest and best selves, where they can become more compassionate, become more empathic, become more people of self-control and distinction and choice, which is something we've always valued you know, as a society, we've always respected, you know, the person who couldn't walk and push themselves every day until they could walk, you know, or the person who was naturally inclined towards alcoholism and had self mastery. You know, we don't tell somebody who is, you know, uh, has more like, uh, you know, uh, uh, inclination towards, you know, hallucinary, halluc- you know, hallucinating type of concept and say like, oh, please indulge in that. We tell them like, try and be your biggest right. and best selves. And, and I do believe that the way to do that is by finding people's strengths and growing them in their strengths. 
but it's a very specific nuance to be able to highlight it in, in, in relationship to connection instead of self um, obsession becoming let's let us let us have a self let's value who you are let's see your strength and think about how that sh- who you are can connect and nurture another human being how you can connect another human being how you could connect to your friend how you can connect to your mother how you could connect to your grandmother who you really hate hugs and usually you have a rule no one's allowed to hug you but you make an exception for your grandmother because the connection is more important than your momentary discomfort, not to minimize it. Yes, this is uncomfortable for you, but you're able to do it because of connection and love that is stronger than any of our own, you know, limitations. Oh, that's so good. Right. That all of that is way more powerful in the world anyway, than the momentary discomfort. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in what you, you were sharing and it might not be perfect the first time you try. So that example, the kid with the teddy bear, you might take it to the front door and leave it there. And then the next right. time you can leave it in the car and then Process. you're able to just not take it at all. Yes. I, yes. My daughter came home a month ago and said something about class. And she said, well, it's because I have ADHD and her teacher went, mm, no, that you don't get to use that as an yes. excuse, for whatever she was doing. Yes. You get to use your ADHD to have a creative brain and do all that. But now you, is your chance to work and change the situation. And that's gonna be hard for you. You just admitted that, that yes. you can do that. And, yes. and she came home very confused. Why did the teacher not let me use that as an excuse? Kind of look at me and I said, that's because that's not who you are. You've got the ability to do the other. You just have to focus on that part now and not just right. throw out, oh, it's because I have this kind of, and right. then let me be because I have this. That's not how this works. <laughs> Right. We don't, we don't want, we don't want anybody, including ourselves. If let's say it's hard for us as parents to be patient with our kids who are relating to the world, just like I would want my child to, you know, be able to transcend their, their challenges and be able to develop themselves, acknowledging the difficulty, acknowledging their strengths. I also would want to do that for myself. Like, wow. Like it's usually really hard for me to talk to them about dinosaurs. And I was able for the last five minutes to actually really presently listen to this discussion about the tails and wings of this dinosaur and whatever, why its arms are so short. (laughs) Limiting yourself. Cause that's what I said to her. I said, you're going to limit yourself if you just say that when there's so much more experience in this world. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's also, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, no, please keep going. There's also um, this amazing study that actually saw um, people nurtured heart that had run. Mm. And um, when it was describing children who have symptoms of ADHD, which many of us think of as a chemical, you know, a chemical challenge, which is treatable, you know, with medication, which is why we know that there's a chemical component to it. Mm. But they were saying how using a positive strength-based approach, meaning using finding their moments of victories, finding the moments of self-control and impulse control and uh, planning and all the different challenges that our kids who are struggling with ADHD have and highlighting it, sort of shining light on it, actually ended up uh, diminishing the, the symptoms of ADHD mm-hmm. over time, which to me was like, when I read this, it was, it blew my mind. And since then I've seen it again and again and again, once I read it and then I, I used it in my practice and I used it, you know, with my kids Yeah, seeing 
how our how our kids seeing how they and ourselves respond to celebrating our victories you know being able to see their strength you were so frustrated that your circle didn't come out right i saw that you banged the table but you were able to keep your paper flat on the paper, on the floor, they usually crinkle it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you were so upset, you were kicking the chair, but you made sure not to hit anyone's legs while you did that. You know, being able to see our child, our children and see their, their development in it really gives them an opportunity to grow what we want, which would be impulse control, which would be, you know, um, uh, emotional regulation, which would be able to, all the choices that we want them to be able to succeed in it allows that and it helps nurture that. It's an incredibly powerful uh, tool, incredibly powerful. And that's, you said for ADHD, but symptoms, but really for any child, I think that yes. is, especially as a learning to regulate because that is such a challenge and a skill that you will always work on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. There was one parent who was telling me that she, um, her child stepped on her toe. I'm changing the details. Yeah. And, she, and she said, you know, she left the room because she didn't want to say something she regretted. Oh, wow. And right. And, and I was blown away. I was like, you had such presence of mind, even when you're physically, and obviously there's the emotional component also, like, don't you step on my foot? Like, <laughs> you know, but physically in pain and the emotional re- you know, reactions that our body has when we are feeling defensive or feeling hurt or feeling, you know, enraged or whatever, that she had the presence of mind to like, to be able to even encourage herself to shine her own light on herself and be like, wow, she hadn't seen it like that. She was like worried that her child wouldn't have the emotional support when he was going through having a meltdown, which I was like, wow, you're amazing. That that's where your head is. But I was, I was celebrating her victory of that capacity to make that choice of, I don't want to say something I'm going to regret. I'm going to leave the area for right now. You know, address this later. Ooh, that's challenging. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I work with the most amazing parents. Oh. They don't think of themselves as amazing, but I think they're amazing. Of course, because again, view. you need to see that from the outside in and you see yes. that. You yes. So hard. Let's talk about some resources. So you actually wrote a book, Bubble Double, Visualizing Social Skills for Connection. Can you share a little bit about that? And then of course, we'll jump into some other resources you would suggest for parents. So Bubble Double is um, a very visual support, which focuses on this idea of connection as being the driving force for any social modification that we do, whether it's eye contact, whether it's perspective taking, whether it's conversation skills, whether it's reading another person's body language. But the goal of it is always getting back to connection. And I really wanted, there's a lot of social skills books out there. There's a lot of social skills resources out there. But I really, what I didn't find and what I didn't feel like was resonating with me with these other books was I I really wanted something that would highlight that it's about connection and love. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the practicality of getting our needs met, which is important. And it's a, and it, you know, it does need to be said. And sometimes like that's the starting point for our kids, but I don't want that to be the ending point because I find it, I find it, um, it doesn't, it doesn't respect who a person is in their biggest opportunity of connection and what, what relationships can be. And social skills are so much more about um, connection and love than they are about the logistics, but the logistics are the way to get there. Mm -hmm. So it sort of, it, it supplies this visual image of, 
bubble double, two people sharing this shared space, this bubble double, the sacred, you know, connective area, the space, and then there's rules of how we have this bubble. There's ways to get into a bubble double. We say hello. There's ways to leave it. There's distance connected to the bubble. It can pop mm -hmm. if you're too far apart or too close. You know, if somebody wants their own space, what do they look like when they want their own bubble and they don't want to share it with the bubble double? You know, what does it look like in a classroom when you're trying to share space and connect with a group? Mm -hmm. You know, no one's telling a story right now. That's not what the group looks like. So there's, it goes through all these different social skills within the context of connection. And that's really what the book's about. And that's for children, correct? Yes. Yes. So I really had designed it. <laughs> I really had in mind because, you know, I, I talk to parents all the time and like, parents like, I don't really know what social skills are, you know, like as this idea, I really have it in mind that like a parent can read to their child and learn with, along with their child. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, it has so many skills in there that like, it's something you refer back to like, Oh, remember we talked about coming into a thing. Let's look to that. Let's look at that page. Every page has like a different target, okay. you know, and it can be used as a tool. Like, you know, parents mm -hmm. who want to go through it very slowly and mm -hmm. talk about eye contact on one concept or talk about, you know, what is the idea of eye contact? Oh, it's this mm -hmm. way of telling the other person, I want to stay in this bubble with you. So wow. even though that. it could be, yeah. And even though it could be painful for some of our kids and acknowledging that it could be painful, but it's for connection. It's so that way the other person knows you want to be there, that you're with them, that who they are matters to you and what they are thinking about matters to you because you keep checking in with them to look at what they are telling you with their body, what they're communicating with their body. And it just, it, it gives a context to it that I think is really important. I love that. That's wonderful. Wow. What a great, I'm, I'm interested to flip, flip through that book now with my own kids. Can you get <laughs> some other resources that you might either bring into with your, your clients or that you use and you just encourage other people that, you know, have this at your fingertips? Um, so I have like these like visual also, I really believe in, especially with our kids who are language struggling with language, I give them like these uh, like these worksheet constructs, these visual worksheet constructs, which help them understand self and other. So like a perspective taking sheet um, or um, uh, how to identify like self-awareness, like what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I choosing? And being able to see the process. Um, so that one's actually free on Teachers Pay Teachers. I see, I think I feel I choose all under skills for connection. Um, I think that's a very helpful, powerful tool. Uh, there's all these different worksheets there. I have also, I do trainings. That's also helpful for parents or, Are you know, group uh, or one-on-one -on -one or parents. I do. I have independent trainings where parents can, you know, watch. Uh, I, I, I try to get, again, my goal is to empower parents. I really right. believe in parents. So, and you know, I have for therapists also, but I have like a parent training where they can watch the training six hour training, okay. you know, at their leisure and then have like a one-to-one -one consultation to be able to figure out like, okay, where should I start? Where is my child in this? And, you know, just to be able to make sure that it's applicable. Cause that's the point. Um, I do have like, uh, like right now I'm have this emotional regulation series going, I'm doing a conversation skills coming up. We're doing a problem solving one coming up, you know, just different resources to support. Wow. What age traditionally do you find that the children are that you're working with family and child? Such a good question. Um, I do primarily over a Zoom. So because of that, when I work with the children, they're mostly middle school and high school. Oh, all the way up to high school. Um, and 
Yeah. And I've even worked with, you know, married folk. Um, <laughs> but when I'm working with parents directly, usually I'm working with parents of kids who are younger, right. meaning when I'm only doing parents and I'm not doing parents and child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, just, yeah. just because I feel like the it's hard for kids to sit by zoom and very often, like they don't necessarily need, um, like it's more, it's more of a fluid, natural thing that the parents have to learn how to integrate and less of like, let's sit down and discuss it. It's more like, how do we integrate it into practice naturally? Mm-hmm. I see that. And I feel like probably as children get older, there's more, I say responsibility loosely here, but there's more responsibility for the child to create this connection, not just the adult to the child, where when they're younger, it is the parent demonstrating and leading by example for the child. Very much. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Like from their frontal lobe is just is starting to develop as they become a teenager. Right. And so for them, you know, to ask a child to moderate their own um, process. That's why like, we'll see like younger children will talk out loud because they need that external support to hear their process. You know, I'm on my sock and now I'm putting on my shoe. When, as we grow up, we have that more internally, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a developmental process. It's, it's natural. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So if there were kind of three tips or advice that you could give parents right here, right now to start implementing things in their relationship with their child, um, and just feeling like they have the support and like, okay, I can do this. Do you have anything that encouraging words? So I would say what we talked about with the nurtured heart approach concept, which is trying to find our children's strengths, Mm -hmm. trying to find where are they succeeding and shining light on it. And very often that starts with shining light on our own parenting, where we are seeing, you know what, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm invested in this. Like that is a huge sign of investment. I could be listening to a lot of things. There's a lot of murder mysteries on Audible that I could be listening to, right? And sometimes I should, you know, and sometimes I do that, right. But I'm choosing right now to listen to a parenting podcast. And I am really invested in my, in my parenting. I really care about my child. I really care about who I am as a parent and being able to shine like that actually energizes us to do it again. And so being able to do that for ourselves as parents and being able to do that for our kids, that would be something that is very, like we could do now this minute, (laughs) you know, somewhere in your daily life. Right. And you could say, Ashley just told me that I need to, uh, you know, re endorse you know, reaffirm myself and endorse myself for listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know, and, and being invested. <laughs> endorse your own self. I love that. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's celebrating our victories, celebrating our victories and celebrating our kids' victories. And, um, and, and as we said, like finding the place of connection, Mm-hmm. finding and that there's two parts to that one part is finding the space where we share with our child and the other practical component aside from finding the place that we share with our child the last piece would be finding when in our day we have that space because we don't always have that space sometimes we need to just be checked out because we need a recharge and we need a refuel and we need to go to the bathroom and no one bang on the door you know like or like drink the coffee the whole way to the bottom (laughs) before I could say anything nice to anybody (laughs) or not you know right so like trying to think through your day and find like okay like actually 
my coffee time is actually a really good time for me to talk to my kids because I'm sitting anyways at the table and that is a great time. Or when I'm driving carpool and I'm sitting next to my child, that for me is a great time. Or when my child comes home and I'm actually authentically excited to see them because I had time to recharge and refuel. I did my own self. I did my own work. I like took care of my, you know, me. And now when my child comes home, I can really give them that eye contact and really give them that hug and let them experience the joy of connection in a way that like is motivating to them to try and seek more connection and be willing to stretch themselves where it's hard for the sake of connection, pushing themselves to be able to listen to the rest of the sentence before they run out of the room, because as, as you know, because they value that connection, they've experienced the pleasure and joy of that connection, that pleasure can fuel them to helping them be able to overcome the very real challenges that they have, you know, and that we all deal with when we're trying to connect and are struggling with it. Mm, That's so good. Yes. Finding those times and and making a point of using those times. Yes. Like yes. you said, you could easily do something else, but there's your chance if, if it's sitting and having your morning coffee or in the car pulling. Yeah. So like even just thinking through your day of like, when is a time that I have that fuel in myself that mm-hmm. is like not a hard time to have that connection. It's like sort of a natural time. I'm driving anyways, and I like to talk. So that way I'm not focused on how frustrating the traffic is at this time of day. I like to have that. Or I, I'm laying with my child, putting them to sleep anyways. This is a really good time for them to get those snuggles that they need. Mm-hmm you know, or I'm doing bath time and they like to be goofy. This is a great connecting time for goofiness, you know, like thinking about your day, like what works for you? Where is your space of connection? And everyone's different, (laughs) but like just thinking that, thinking through that, you know, everyone has it somewhere and it looks different for everybody, you know, but it's there to find it. Yeah, it is there. It is. So how can people find you? What's, how do they connect with you, follow your information, gather your information? Where do they go? So I'm always skills for connection. I'm on Facebook skills for connection on Instagram. I'm skills with the number four connection. Um, I'm skills for connection.com. I'm on Spotify. If you want, you can search skills for connection and you'll hear podcasts. Perfect. If you want free resources, if uh, you can always email support at skillsforconnection.com. Uh, it's, it's very, it's very, uh, I'm, I'm very consistent. <laughs> yeah, you're everywhere. It's great. Every platform is yeah. covered. Yeah. And Amazon, you know, it's, if you want to search for the book, it's bubble double oh, and yeah. it says skills for connection in the title also. So <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Good. Consistent. <laughs> well, Miriam, thank you so much for joining and sharing all this with us. This is some good tools. And I think it's practical. People can start this afternoon when they pick their kids up from summer camp because we're in summertime right now. Um, but this is great. Thank you. Hey, I'm so glad. And and really, I, I, I really, truly, even if you can't endorse yourself or listen to the podcast, I endorse you because whenever a parent or anybody takes time to say like, oh, there's space for growth here, there's space for opportunity, there's space for connection. To me, there's just nothing more inspiring than that. So I appreciate, Ashley, what you're doing in creating this platform for so many parents to be able to try and develop their skills for connection and develop their ability to understand and relate and have compassion and connection with themselves as parents and with their kids. And so really, thank you, Ashley. Oh, thank you so much. It's very kind words. And I, you know, my when I started this podcast, my goal was if one person turned it off and felt okay, I can do this, I can breathe. 
then I feel like I've had success. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey.